breathing tonight. I think we all are. We're going to take our Bibles tonight. And does anyone need a handout for the lesson, uh, a copy of the lesson tonight? If you do, we'll get that to you real quick. If you'd slip your hand up. Anybody need one? Everyone good to go? All right. Take our Bibles to Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. We'll begin there tonight. Now, if, as we go through, we are going through doctrines through the Word of God. We started and we looked at the doctrine of the Word of God because if you don't have a good grasp about the Word of God, nothing else really else matters because everything that we believe comes from the Word of God. So if you get your doctrine wrong on the Word of God, then you've you got no place to go. That's where it all begins. And so the Word of God matters. We talked about it, talked a lot in length about it. We talked about the doctrine of God and who He is and His character. We looked at the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We looked at His work and we looked at the person. We looked at both of those. We looked at the Holy Spirit and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We looked at the doctrine of salvation last week. Or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Last week, who was here last week? My friend Adam was here last week, last Wednesday night. And Isaiah and Andrew, don't, didn't they do a good job leading the service? I got, they did a great job with that. Andrew leading singing, they did a great job there. And Isaiah gets right up, right to the point, gets right through there. I think the first time you did it, you even told a joke a little bit in there. And so, didn't you? I thought you did. But you guys did good. You look comfortable behind here. That was good. I enjoy seeing that, and that's a good thing. And so tonight, as we progress in the Christian life. We looked at salvation, and one of the important areas inside of the Christian life is prayer. The problem with prayer is most people think they got it all figured out, and they know what to do when it comes to prayer. And if it were that easy, you would pray. Prayer is one of the most neglected areas in the Christian life. And a lot of times I think Part of it is we don't know how to pray, which we're going to look at some of that tonight. But I also think sometimes we get the wrong idea of what prayer is supposed to be. And maybe sometimes we get a little discouraged when we pray. Because God's not answering my prayers. And one of the things you've got to realize and understand, and the older I get, and the longer that I'm a Christian, my philosophy and my thoughts on prayer have changed. I've been, I went through Bible college. I've, done a, I've gone, read a lot of books on prayer. And one of the things I feel like I find in those books and even the classes that I learned on prayer and even some of my preaching for a while on prayer, it really highlights God as someone you go to when you need something and like a little magic lamp you can rub and get your three wishes from God. And that's not what prayer is at all. Sometimes I feel like, and even in my own life, when it comes to prayer, it's like, oh, I, I need to do this now. Now I want to do it. There's a difference in those. Or we got a special, we get, you know, we have a special day at, chur at church coming up, so we need to pray that God will bless. Is that what prayer is for? I don't really think that that's what prayer is for. When I started dating Caroline, and we're talking 2005, we started dating. I didn't look at it as a dread every time, oh, I gotta go spend time with her again. 
what am I going to talk about? What are we going to do? No, it was something I always looked forward to. That's what prayer should be. Prayer is not about us going to God and getting what we want from God. Because what you got to understand and what we got to get to in the Christian life, and I'm trying to get there. I've still got a long ways to go. Christ is what I need. He's everything. And prayer is not me getting God to give me what I want. Prayer is me wanting more of Him and more time with Him. There's a difference in the two. If you, have, you have relationships here on earth, you know, husband-wife relationship. If the only time you talk to your wife is when you need her to do something for you, how great is that relationship going to be? Or vice versa, other way around. You only talk to your husband when you need him to do something. And if that's the only time you communicate, that relationship's not going to be very good. God wants to talk to you. God wants us to pray. God wants us to spend time with him. And to think, as we've looked at so far in the doctrine series we've done, to think that God would love someone like me and you and want to spend time with us is an amazing thought. On Sunday morning, we looked at the fact that when Jesus died and cried out on the cross, it is finished, that the temple veil was rent in two. That means you, did, you can go to God for yourself today. You can come boldly before the throne of grace, as the scripture says, and yet so many times we don't, but sometimes I think it's because when we look at prayer, we look at it kind of in the wrong light. I want to take some time tonight to talk about prayer and the doctrine or teaching of prayer tonight. And we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we're grateful for prayer. I pray that you would help us tonight as we look at this passage and as we talk on these things, that we just realize how awesome it is to be able to talk to you. And at the end of the day, I really just think you want to be a part of our lives. You want that communication. And I believe the more that we are in tune with you in prayer, the more our will is going to be more pointed towards what you would have it be. And in prayer, it's not about us coming to you, Lord, and changing you. But I personally believe it's about you changing us to be more like you. Bless the time that we have. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Out of all the things Jesus did, and Jesus did a lot of things while he was here on earth, man, the miracles he performed, turning water into wine, raising Lazarus from the dead, healing a blind man. We could go on through the list of all the things Jesus did. Out of all the things that Jesus did, the one thing that his disciple, one of his disciples asked him to teach them how to do was to pray. And if you notice, it starts out 
that he was praying in a certain place. They heard Jesus praying to the Father. And whichever disciple it was right here wanted to know how to pray like Jesus prayed. Now I know there are many out there that will take the, this prayer and call it the Lord's Prayer, and they repeat it over and over again and chant it. And we might talk about some of that about prayer later on and how vain repetition is not what is intended for prayer. Empty, it's not supposed to be empty, and we'll talk about that maybe here in a little bit. But what we see is this really is the model prayer, how to pray. And we're going to look at that later on as we get deeper into the message tonight. So we start out in our notes, and I, and I hope for your sake that you keep these notes. I, one of the reasons I decided to do this on Wednesday nights was because we have all the kids in here. And I know sometimes kids, you sit in here and you're like, oh boy, pastor just goes on and on. But if you could learn at a young age major Bible doctrines and learn something about prayer at seven, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, five years old, whatever Matthew gets out of it, he's more concerned about his lifesaver right now than what I'm saying. But at least he's got a lifesaver there to keep him good during the service. I remember my mom one time, my brother asked for a lifesaver from her during church. He's probably four or five. And, uh, you know, he's sucking on it there. And he started choking in church. That was not the best time to start choking in church. But um, he could still breathe, you know, because those lifesavers had the little hole in the center. It really is a lifesaver if you choke on it. Think about that one anyways. We'll leave that one there and alone. And Matthew, let's not follow that example tonight, okay? Number one, as we dive in tonight, we see the nature of prayer. We're going to look at the nature of prayer. We're going to look at what is the role of prayer and what it plays in our relationship with God. And prayer basically tunes our soul to be receptive to God and His will. And we'll talk about these things more. But as we think on that in the nature of prayer, letter A, we dive into the, pur the purpose of prayer. What is the purpose of prayer? Why should we pray? And when we look at these things, you know, really in the Christian life, the two greatest things you can do in the Christian life. Are you ready? Read your Bible and pray. The kids in the Christian school, the younger kids, not the older kids, they love a little song that we do in chapel sometimes. You know, read your Bible, pray every day. Pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And they love standing up on their chairs, grow, grow, grow. And then they like the part where if you neglect your Bible and forget to pray, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. It's really true. The two things that will benefit you the most in the Christian life is God's Word and prayer. Now, there's a lot more things. Church is good. There's lots of things we could add in there. But the two primary, read your Bible and pray. And what is the purpose of prayer? What's the purpose behind it? When we talk about that, the first thing that we see, number one, is that prayer brings glory to God. The Bible tells us in John 14, verse number 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you see that prayer brings glory to God? Number two, number two, Prayer aligns our will with God's will. And that's where we got to be very careful. And we see if Jesus was a great example of that, right? Not my will, but thine be done. Sometimes I think we get this idea, we go to God, and I'm going to change God's mind. You can't change God's mind. You know, and I had someone just, I think it was on Sunday, asked me, 
Well, there's that passage where God repented of the evil that he was going to do. Got to take scripture with scripture. There's another place that says that God is not like a man that he repents in the book of Numbers. God doesn't repent. Men repent. Now, you say, well, why did the Bible use that word? Now, let's think for a minute. Is God a person or is God a spirit? He's a spirit. God is not like us at all, is he? Another passage in the Bible says that he measures the sky or by the span of his hand. Does a spirit have a span? Probably not. So why would it say that God has a span? It's telling us, it's putting God in human terms for us. You can't really put God in a human term. He's God. So if he could measure the sky in his span, he's pretty big. He's pretty amazing. He's pretty awesome. It's that measure the, the waters in his hand, spirits don't drop right through, right, with a spirit. He's got a big hand. He's a big God. And so God, in his mercy and grace, didn't do those things. That's what it comes down to. We don't change God's mind. God is sovereign. He knows all things. And when it comes to pr- and you say, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, well, if God's sovereign and all those things, then why should I even pray? If your whole reason to go to God to pray is to get things from God, you're missing the whole purpose in prayer anyways, which we'll talk more about as we get deeper into tonight. But prayer lines are will with God's will. Luke twenty two forty two, saying, Father, if it be, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That was Jesus' prayer to God there. And when we think about the model prayer, Matthew 6, verse number 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Our prayer should be that God's will is done here on earth just like it is in heaven. We want God's will to be done. Now, and sometimes that's a hard one. I've had people get mad at me. They've come to me after a service and pastor. I've got this situation, and they were telling me about this money situation, and the government was supposed to give blah, 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 and they're going through all this. Like, I need you to pray that God gives me that money. And so I prayed. Lord, we want your will in this situation. And whatever you want, we want your will. Help us to be able to accept that, whatever the case may be. And I got a 10-minute lecture after my prayer because I didn't pray for what they wanted. And I don't do that. There are lots of things in my life that I would really want. You know, since I was 16 years old, my mom's been pretty sick. And I have prayed, God, heal my mom. It hasn't happened. And the older she gets, it's just getting worse. I pray for the Lord's will. Lord, if it is your will, heal her. If it's not, give her the strength to get through. Because sometimes God's will is not yes. And it's no, you say, well, when do you stop praying for something when God gives you a definite answer? And we could go further into those things. But prayer aligns our will with God's will. How about this one? Prayer brings peace to situations in life. Prayer brings peace. We all, how many of you ever get anxious? How many of you get anxious often? How many of you would say, let's be honest, how many of you would say that at times you have an anxiety problem in your life? My hand is up. Yep. You want to know the best thing you can do for your anxiety? The best thing you can do. Now, I'm not, now listen up. Make sure you listen to me. 
and I've had people come up to me after I've said things. If your doctor gives you med- you do whatever. I am not a doctor. I'm a pastor, okay? Remember that. Pastor said that this is the best thing. I'm gonna st- Don't do that. You do whatever. You go to your doctor. You do whatever your doctor tells you to do. But I would say before you start any set of medicine when it comes to anxiety, the first thing I do is I learn to pray. And then you might need it still. And there's nothing wrong with those things if you do it the way your doctor tells you to and just be smart how you do things. And then don't just drop it all of a sudden. There's ways you're supposed to work yourself off of things, not just cold turkey it. But anyways, I'm not a doctor. You know, we'll leave the rest out. But how does prayer bring peace? Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be careful, be anxious for nothing. But in, now, you think about that phrase, be anxious for nothing. That would be nice. I really would like it if I didn't get anxious about anything. Wouldn't that be nice? How many of you would like that if you didn't get anxious about anything? But the truth is, in this life, we get anxious about a lot of things. And sometimes it's multiple things in a day, and sometimes it lasts for a long time. Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at the next verse. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you see the, how prayer plays a part in our anxiety? And I'll, I'll be honest with you. In the past couple of years, this really has helped me a lot. There are times, and Caroline could tell you, she's like, Brian, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. Maybe there's just something wrong with you. What do you mean? You're not acting normal. You're not talking as much. You're being very short with me and the kids, blah, whatever the case may be. And a lot of times it's when that anxiety builds up. And I don't want to stress them out with the stresses I'm going through. But what ends up happening, it still comes out. And to me, I don't see it, but somehow she sees it. I don't know how that works that way. She sees it. But um, that's why I've got several places. If things, get re- if things are real bad, and there are days that are pretty bad. And I'll tell you this, when it comes to anxiety, my mom has always been one of the most anxious people I've ever met. I do think it does get passed along in the genes somewhere along the way. And I know that one of my moms and and for her, it's always, she's, the doctors have given her medicine to help with it and things, and at times it gets better. But today, she has no, she has no nerves left to get anxious with. She's worn them all out. And I don't want that to be me. And so what I've done, I've got a couple places I go when I'm real bad, and I just get alone with God for hours upon hours. And for me, it really helps. It really does. But this is the problem, and we all have this problem, too. We like to be in control of things. And we like to fix things, and we like to have a hand in on things. There's something about being able to give it to God and releasing it. Now, I might take it back five minutes later, but at least I released it, right? And for that five minutes, I feel really good when I release it. Now, five minutes later, when I take it back, then I'm right back to where I was. But it's amazing how that works in prayer brings peace. We also pray when we confess sin. You know, I believe it's an important thing in the Christian life to confess our sin. God has forgiven you. You've got to understand, when Jesus died on the cross, he's forgiven you of your sins. 
But you got to understand, when it comes to our fellowship with him, you need to have, you need to come clean before God. I remember as a kid, and everyone in this room knows what I'm talking about, when you were hiding something you did from your parents, or when you were guilty of something and you had to tell them, you felt awful till you got it out. And a lot of times my mom and dad already knew what I was going to talk to them about. It's amazing how that works. And your Heavenly Father already knows what you've done, and He loves you in spite of it. But there's something about coming to Him and confessing to Him, God, this is what's going on. It kind of clears the air. It helps things. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Next, we pray to cast our burdens upon Jesus. He wants us to cast our burdens on him. That's when we're anxious about things. That's where we need to take those burdens. Sometimes I think we go through life and we and we stack up all these things and we're carrying this heavy load and Jesus is standing right next to us saying, "I'll help you carry that. I'm right here. What do you want? No, I got this. I'm struggling. I can barely lift it." That's like, "I'm right here. I'll help you." That's what prayer's for. We pray to cast our burdens upon the Lord. That's another purpose in prayer. Next, we understand the fact that prayer, it's a powerful thing. Prayer's powerful. The Bible tells us in James 5, 16 through 18, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. We look at the nature of prayer. We see the purpose of prayer. We also see letter B, that prayer is not an option. It's not an option. It's not an option. Sometimes we think, oh, I'll pray. If I... No, prayer is something that it's not an option for the Christian. We're commanded to pray. You know, when we think about Jesus, number one there, we see that Jesus prayed. He's the ultimate example for us. When we look at Jesus and we think about him, Matthew 14, 23, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the even was come, he was there alone. Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 6, 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now we say we call ourselves Christians, right? That means we're supposed to be Christ-like. That's what a Christian is. So if you're going to be Christ-like, prayer better be a part of your life. Because it was a big part of Jesus' life. And if he's perfect, the Son of God, how much more do we, weak flesh, need prayer? We think about that. We also think about the fact that we're commanded in the Bible to pray at all times. All the time. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Say, Pastor, there's no way I could pray all the time. You can. Have a life prayer. Talk to God today. It's not like you got to pick up the cell phone and ring it. How would it be if you, you had to dial heaven? And thank you for calling heaven. If you would like to speak to God, press 1. If you would like to speak to Jesus, press 2. If you'd like the Holy Spirit, press 3. And if you would like to talk to anyone else, no one else available, and then you hit one, and all right, it starts ringing God. 
Sorry I stepped away from my desk. Leave me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You're like, yeah, all right. He's going to get back to me. No, he's always there. He always answers. He's always waiting. Doesn't matter if it's 2 in the afternoon or 2 in the morning. Doesn't matter when it is. You can always talk to God. It's easy. You just talk to him. Just start talking to him. When you're in the car alone, talk to him. It might keep you from getting mad at all the other drivers on the road. <laughs> or it might make you get other people mad because you're driving, because you're praying and not focusing on the road. I don't know. Talk to him through the day. You're doing something, you're having a tough time, just talk to him. Pray without ceasing, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And then Ephesians 6.18 also says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So it literally the Bible tells us to pray always. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Continue to pray. Prayer is not an option for the Christian. Prayer needs to be a part of our lives. Number one, we see the nature of prayer. Number two, we see the practice of prayer. The practice of prayer. When we look at this and we think about the practice of prayer, letter A, when you see some conditions for answered prayers. Some conditions for answered prayers. And you say, well, so if I do this, God's going to answer my prayer. If it's according to his will, he will. But you notice, as we go through these and you look at some of these things about conditions to prayer, what it, if, we, if we delight ourselves in the Lord... If we spend time with him, we're going to want what he wants. That's how it works. And so our prayers will get answered. When we think about conditions, we think about number one, you must abide in Christ, and his words must abide in you. The Bible talks about this in John chapter 15. John 15, in verse number 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Do you see that verse right there? You want your prayers answered? You need to be abiding in God, in prayer, and in His Word. Abide. That's, we, don't, we don't understand that word very well today. Do you realize tonight that without the Lord, we can do nothing? Nothing. We can't. And this is what happens when we abide in Christ, when his word abides in us, we're going to want what he wants. And we're asking according to his will. There's things, and we talk more about that subject there, but we see that you must abide in Christ and his words must abide in you. Number two, we must pray according to the will of God. We must pray according to the will of God. Let's, let's be honest here. Who knows, who knows what's best in every situation? You, me, or God? God does. So it would make sense that we would want God's will, right? Because God knows what's best. God sees everything. He knows everything. And then we look at situations where like, I need this and it needs to be this way. God, do this this way. You and I don't know what's best. We really don't. 
Because we could want one thing one minute and five minutes later want something else completely different. Situations, circumstances change. We need to pray according to his will. The Bible tells us 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Confidence. You see that verse right there? It's important. We need to ask according to his will. Next, number three. Pray asking in his name. That's being consistent with who he is. John 14, verse 13 and 14 says, And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if he ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's why it's important to pray to his name. That's why when you start out your prayer, prayer, I remember, I'm glad our city, when I first, the first time I went to a city council meeting, they gave me a list of ways to what I could and couldn't say when I prayed. And what happened was someone, and they didn't, before I got there, they didn't tell, uh, actually, let me rephrase myself. Sorry, I need to gather my thoughts better. The city of Chino, it's always been fine. I would go, and I'd go into Chino to pray, and they, I could just pray however I want. The board of supervisors invited me to pray in San Bernardino. So I drove into San Bernardino, had to lock my car, put lots of things so my car didn't get taken there in San Bernardino. No, it wasn't quite that bad. But there was literally a list of things that they said because someone complained somewhere and they said that you couldn't pray in Jesus' name and you couldn't address him as your heavenly father. There was this list of things. And so they didn't tell me that beforehand. And so when I got there, they handed me the piece of paper. And I thought, okay. And they're like, you're going to, yeah, I saw the piece of paper. I didn't really read it. I just saw it. And so I got in there and I prayed in Jesus' name and to our heavenly father which is in heaven. You can't really confuse them for any other God. I've never been asked back to the County of Supervisors. The city of Chino, I get asked back every year to do it. And this, we live in a good city. I thank God for that and the blessings of that. But you got to understand, it's important. Praying in Jesus' name is important. Praying to our Father, which art in heaven. Because there are many people that pray to lots of gods all over the place. And that's distinct, and that's why I don't care if you give me a piece of paper or not. You ask me to come pray. I'm a Christian pastor. I worship the God of heaven. I'm going to pray to the God that I worship. I'm not going to make you happy. I'll make him happy, and if i got to suffer you being mad at me, tough. Or you just don't ask me back, and that happens. So that works out fine that way. Next, number four. Pray for that which brings God glory. We want God glorified. God, and how many times we have a situation in our life, God, do what is best to bring you honor and glory in this situation. Do you ever pray that? We should. We want God glorified. We want God, people to see how good our God is. And we don't, we, our prayer shouldn't be, God, make me look good, or we want him to look good, right? Number five. Pray to align your will with God's will. And at times, our wills are going to butt heads. They do. But his will is right, and we need his will. We need to follow his will.
Letter B. How about some hindrances to answered prayers? You say there could be hindrances to answered prayer? Yeah, the Bible talks about it. And after I got done, um, I got this thing so um, Brittany could get it typed up and things. There should have been a couple extra added in here, but we'll talk about I might add those in here right now. But the first well, hindrance to answered prayer, number one, sin. Sin is a hindrance to answered prayer. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And I know this is what people say, Pastor, that's an Old Testament verse. That was before Christ died and all that he did in our lives. I get that. So where it tells the husband that if he isn't do, treating his wife right, and that's sin, it says your prayers can be hindered for that, right? First Peter chapter 3. So I don't care if it's Old Testament or New Testament. If, you, if there's sin in your life, it can hinder your prayers. Number two, wrong motives. Wrong motives. Say a wrong motive, yeah. The Bible tells us, James 4, verse number 3, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. When we are wanting our will and wanting things we want, there are times that God's like, no, because your motive's not right. What's your motive behind your prayer? Is it for the Lord's will and the Lord to be glorified, or is it for you to do well? There's a big difference in the two. Number three, how about a lack of faith? A lack of faith. The Bible tells us in James chapter number one, verse five through eight, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Do you see? I want you to notice this, everybody. The one time God is a liberal is when it comes to giving us wisdom if we ask him for it. I don't see him being liberal in any other way. So, but there's, he's liberal when it comes to this. And upbraideth not, it shall be given him. But look at what it says. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And a lack of faith could be a hindrance to prayer. And so as we continue on tonight, and as we get to the finish line here, number three, well, how, how do we pray? I've given you some basics, the nature of prayer, the purpose of prayer, some hindrances to prayer. Now, how should we pray? The Bible makes this very clear for us. And so as we go through letter A, we're going to look at some general guidelines of, to pray. Remember the passage we read at the beginning here tonight? Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus did just that. So here is a guideline on how to pray. Pray to the Father through Christ in the power of the Spirit. Pray to the Father. And the only reason you can go to the Father is because of Jesus Christ, right? So you pray to the Father through Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, verse number 9, And after this manner pray, therefore, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Romans 1, 8, the Bible tells us, First, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You see how I thank my God? 
through Christ Jesus. Do you see the pattern right there? And then Ephesians 2, 17 and 18, And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that are nigh. For through him we, have, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So you see why I worded it the way I did. We pray to the Father through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at this and we think on these things, and we look at number two, if you don't know how to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to help you or to intercede. Ask Him to intercede. These are just some general guidelines. The Holy Spirit will help you if you ask Him. I've had many people say, Pastor, I don't know what to pray for. You know the Holy Spirit does? You know, there are times you might pray to God, say, Lord, I really need a new car. And the Holy Spirit's like, Father, he doesn't need a new car. Just give him sign that will get him from point A to point B. God, I need this in my life. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, I know you. I'm, in, I'm inside of you. There's a, you need a lot of things, but that's not something you need. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I love pointing out this verse. I just don't know what to pray. The Spirit does. And that's a blessing to know. And if you don't know what to pray for, ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you. Number three, Prayer needs to be intimate communion with God. It's a relationship with God. If you notice, when we look at the verses in uh, Matthew 6, 6, 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shuttest thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly it's a he's not just all of our father which if you're saved he is your father if you're a child of this world the child of the devil he's not your father we're not all god's children but that's another time another place i get deeper into that but as we look here and we look at that verse someone just it's a it's amazing just the other day someone was asking me some questions from the bible and one of the questions was about the closet here and uh what is that talking about it's basically having a private place to pray with God. And that private place could be in a chair somewhere. It could be in a closet. It's your secret prayer life. Because this is the problem. There are a lot of hypocrites out there, like the Pharisees, that are very good in a public setting. They can pray the best of prayers, but they don't have a prayer life with God in secret. And I'll tell you this, you want a good prayer life corporately, you need one in secret first. That's where it begins. You want to have a good, let's uh, see how I can word this in a good way. You want to have a good worship experience at church and be praising and worshiping God through song and in church on Sunday? Live it at home during the week and then come on Sunday and see how much better you feel. Because it's hard to live like the devil all week and come to church on Sunday and be singing to God how wonderful he is when you've been living like the devil all week long. It's hard. So live it out during the week, and I bet your worship experience on the weekend is a lot better. Just a little thought there. And not that the worship experience is about you and me anyways. It's about him. But you can worship him a little bit better if you would 
be a little bit better in your private time, your private life. You come to church and you're singing about prayer, and then you haven't prayed in three weeks. It's hard to sing a song about prayer when you don't pray. It's hard to worship God corporately when you don't worship Him privately. There's a lot more I could say there, but we're running out of time, and some of you look like you're ready to go home. So, But that doesn't stop me ever. If you give me the look like you're ready to go home, it just makes me go longer. That's normally what happens there. So if you give me a nice smile, a nice look, I might just end faster that way. But you, like, sit there like, hurry up, and I'm like, I'm not going to hurry up. I'll go as long as I want. When the Spirit says stop, I'll stop. And if I don't hear from the Spirit, I'm going to go till he says something. So, and, uh, and maybe I've been living like the devil myself, and he's not going to speak to me, so we could be here a long time. Next, number four, do not use meaningless repetition. Just general guidelines for prayer. Don't use meaningless repetition. You say, there are a lot of churches that do. Yes, and it's not supposed to be. That same, ch- one of the churches we know that loves to do that also calls the guy father. Like someone, Manny did, but he called me Father Brian before church. and said, don't you ever say that again. There's only supposed to be one father. Him, right? He's the only father. And yet, we see many churches call their leader father. We see them start chanting meaningless, vain, repetitious prayers. And the Bible speaks against that. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, verse 7 and 8, but when ye pray, now now do you notice here it doesn't say if you pray? When you pray. That means a Christian should be praying. Use not vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Well, I'm just supposed to quote the Lord's Prayer over it. No, you're not. And do you know this was given before the Lord's Prayer was given? Verses right before. It's amazing how we can take a few verses and use them, but we don't take the verses right before it. It's amazing how the Lord, you take a verse in context, you wouldn't, you wouldn't repeat the Lord's Prayer all the time as a meaningless, empty repetition. But anyways, we'll talk more about the Lord's Prayer here in just a minute. And then number five, do not be hasty. And then let your words be few. So what do you mean by let your words be few? Don't be hasty. When we look at these things, sometimes the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 5, 2, be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. Have you ever prayed to God, Lord, I will never do that again? Let's be honest. How many of you have ever told God you would never do something again? Now, how many of you, before that day was over, did what you told God you would not do? My hand is up. You need to be a few words and not hasty to say things. God, I'll never do this again if you just do this. That's not a good way to pray. Not a good way to do it. Or we could go more into Ecclesiastes where you tell God, you make a vow to God and then you don't keep your vow to God. You need to be very careful about what you say to God. He takes us serious in what we say. A lot more I could say there, but we're running out of time. Letter B, and lastly, I put down, you have all this here. We're going to read through it here. But Jesus' pattern for prayer. So he, they asked him to teach him how to pray, and this is what the Lord said. Our Father, which art in heaven, 
We need to pray in confidence of our relationship with the Father. And He is your Father tonight. If you're a saved child of God, you have that relationship. The devil can't ruin that relationship. You can't ruin that relationship. No one can ruin that relationship. That relationship is safe, secure, and settled forever. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You need to approach prayer coming to your Father and in confidence of that relationship. And then there needs to be a time of worshiping God in your prayer time. Hallowed be thy name. How many times do our prayers begin? Lord or Father, maybe you start with Father. I need this and I need this and I need this. Thank you. Good night. Or Lord, help me to be this. And, help, and that's not, those aren't bad prayers. But when we go to the Lord in prayer, we need to worship God for who he is. And I, I challenge you. And some, you don't want it to get where you pray the prayer, same thing every time. Get creative. Do you know there are times in prayer that as I worship God, I think of one letter through the entire alphabet to describe something about God. He's awesome. He's beautiful. He's considerate. He's the desire of nations. He's everything. He's my friend. He's the great God. He's the healer. And I go through the entire alphabet. And sometimes it gets a little fun at Z. Q gets a little difficult sometimes. So what do you do? I grab a dictionary. And then I start looking at the different words under Q. Because I don't want to use the same one every single time. And Z, I don't want to use the same one. Zealous, he's zealous. Yeah, I know, that's a good one. But after you use that one five times in a row, you've got to find another one. And there are a few more, but I look it up. You say, well, that takes, yeah. It's, worth, it's thinking on Him. It does wonders for us in our lives and will take time just to think on God, doesn't it? Hallowed be thy name. Worship God in your prayer time. Number three, thy kingdom come. Pray wanting God's kingdom to be advanced. Do you know, in, in the Lord's prayer here, He didn't even start out with His wants and His needs. He started out by addressing His Father and worshiping Him and praying for God's kingdom to be advanced. Number four. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Has he asked yet for his needs yet? No. Now he wants to be in submission to God's will when it comes to prayer. Number five. Give us day this day our daily bread. Now, did he ask for his needs here? Yes. But this is fifth on the list. This is way down the line. And you know, if you outlined your prayers, say, Pastor, that's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of work to talk to God. It is, if we're being honest. If prayer was easy, everybody would do it. And everybody would do it a lot if it was easy. It's not easy. Have an outline. In your outline, you started out to your Father, and then your worship time, write out things that you're going to worship Him for. Make a list set it up then you add in how you want God's kingdom to be advanced pray for the gospel to spread for churches to grow and preach the word of God there's a lot that could be said there pray for God's will and submission to his will then ask God for your needs and the needs of others next number six 
forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There needs to be times where we ask God to forgive us of our sins. Come clean with God. And then we also need to ask him to help us not to harbor bitterness or have an unforgiving spirit towards someone else. Because if our heart's full of bitterness, there's not room for the Lord when there's all bitterness there. You're giving the devil a place to work in your life. I can say more there, but we're going to continue on. Number seven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask God to help you overcome temptation. And temptation is going to come daily, hourly, minute by minute. And then the end, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Pray with a heart for God's glory to be advanced. Now, I know it's 730. I know that. I want you to do one last thing with me and we'll be done. You need to take your Bibles to Psalm 22. And I want you to see how prayer in David's life took him from discouragement to praising God. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to grab a, I was going to say a, a chair Bible. Grab a Bible there. I want you to see these verses with your eyes or use your phone, whatever the case may be. Just don't be playing games on your phone right now. But Psalm 22, I was flipping back to Philippians. That's the wrong way. Psalm 22. Now Psalm 22 this part of this comes from what we quoted we we read this on Sunday morning where Jesus said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me David penned these words all I'm going to do and I know some of you today you have you didn't read your Bible today you're getting your chapter in right now okay and it's only going to take a few minutes I'm going to give five or six words after a few verses a few times and we'll be out of here I'm not going to be long with this Psalm 22 verse number one my God my God why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cried in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. David starts out this psalm asking God, he's does he sound discouraged here? God, why aren't you answering me? Why are you so far from me? Why aren't you helping me? I'm crying out to you in the day. I'm crying out to you at night. David starts out his prayer pretty discouraged right here. Am I wrong on that statement? No, he's discouraged. Now look at verse number three. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. And what David does is he goes from discouragement and he starts talking about he recognizes God as holy. He recognizes the fact and he remembers that God's been faithful in the past. And as David considers God, verse 6, it humbles him. Do you see how this is all playing out in prayer? Let's keep on reading here, verse number 7. We're going to read through 7 through 18 right here. Nice long stretch. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. 
Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Um, do you see from, the mother, from my mother's belly in there? There's another thing about abortion there. Um, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, an assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. What is David doing right here? He is pouring out how he is feeling to God. Isn't that what he's doing right there? So as we look at this psalm, and it's amazing that this psalm, David's cry, his prayer to God, and how this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus would go through on the cross for us. But you see, David is discouraged because he feels like God's not answering him. He focuses and considers God. When he considers God and he worships him and sees him for who he is, he remembers his faithfulness in times past, and it humbles David. As David is humbled, he takes how he is feeling, and he gives it to God from verse 7 to 18. We're only going a little bit further, all right? Verse 19 says, Be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. For thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. Unicorn is mentioned in the Bible. Do you see that right there? Um, what is David doing? He's poured out his burdens, and then he's asking God to help him with those burdens. Let's go a little bit further, and we're just about there. Look at verse number 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Yet are ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. David is moved to praise God because God cares about him. But what did he start out his prayer with? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm crying out for help, and you're nowhere to be found. And now he's praising God because God hears him. And let's finish up with verse 25 through 28. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I'll pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the earth shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. David doesn't seem so discouraged anymore, does he? Do you think David is very discouraged now? This is the guy who just said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I've asked you for help, and I don't hear anything. You're nowhere to be found. 
he goes to the Lord and when he considers who he is, he is humbled. And when he is humbled, he pours out his request to God. And he praises the Lord for caring about him and hearing him. And his problems get better. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. David in Psalm 22 shows us how prayer can work in our lives. Father, thank you for the time we've had tonight.